gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King for our March Madness Extravaganza Part 2 as we go into the Sweet 16 round and move forward all the way through the NCAA Championship game on April 8th with the special edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports as we get ready for what should be an exciting round, Sweet 16 round, in the NCAA Basketball March Madness Tournament. And, Victor, welcome back to the show once again. Overall, what was your initial take on what you saw the first week of the NCAA Basketball Tourney? Hey, Mark, we're back at it again uh, with our Sweet 16 update, and we've got a playbook newsletter coming out on Tuesday. We're recording the podcast today on Tuesday morning, and our NCAA Sweet 16 Tourney Guide will be available on Tuesday night. You don't want to miss it. It's available at playbook.com and uh, after a week's worth of action my take is that <laughs> there are no takes there are no edges i just got done taking a look at our database and thus far in the ncaa tournament now your lines may differ ever so slightly but i got favorites going 26 and 26 against the spread after one week of play and even no edge in regards to over-unders either 26 overs, 25 unders, and one tie. We're basically right where we began, if you ask me. It sounds like the odds makers did a terrific job, Victor, yep. uh, nonetheless, you know, for what we see at least to the point spread, and that's what we're all about here on Mark Lawrence against the spread, is the spread, and they did a great job equalizing the favorites and the dogs and the way they worked out in the NCAA tournament thus far. And uh, i got to say this, Victor, that uh, – uh, I go back and forth a little bit with the USA Today from a column that I write for them during the NFL season and supply them some stats along the way. And uh, I had sent them in a stat about the, the fact that we do have a number 12 seed that made it to the NCAA Sweet 16 round. Kind of rare to do that, but uh, in the history of the NCAA tournament, when a number 12 seed has made it to this round and they've played a number one seed, they've gone 0 and 19 straight up forever. That might be a tall road for Oregon to have to kind of navigate their way through when they take on Virginia. But uh, there are some other intriguing stats inside this Sweet 16 tournament round. And let's go back and forth a little bit, if we will. I'm going to throw it at you, Victor. And I know your comment to me before we started the show was, it is indeed the chalkiest Sweet 16 we've seen in a long time. It's almost uh, choking on chalk, if you will, bereft of uh, small program charm. We don't have a... Uh, Sister Jean, we don't have a Loyola this year. <laughs> in the in the 40 years since the NCAA selection committee uh, publicly started seeding teams, it's definitely the chalkiest Sweet 16 of them all. What I like doing is once we get into this round, adding these seeds and coming up with a total cumulative number. And that number for this year is 49. 
If you add up all the seeds together, you get to a number of 49, and that ties 2009 for the big dance, most bereft of upsets. So uh, there you have it. Certainly one of the uh, chalkiest Sweet 16s that we have seen in a long, long time. And I know that, uh, Mark, you are a guy who likes playing your dogs. You usually play a few more dogs than favorites. Friday was the best day to play underdogs in the NCAA tournament as they went 11-5 and ATS. But I think you got some comments of that round of 32. It looks like the weekend was the right time to switch and play the favorites. I know you went 3-1 and one ATS over the weekend playing favorites. What can you tell me about the round of 32 and the underdogs in that round? Well, the underdogs in the round of 32, as you mentioned, Victor, here, didn't fare all that well. But the bottom line here is, as you say, it was it is the chalkiest Sweet 16 we've seen in a while. Uh, this is the first time since 1985 that we found all three of the number one, two, and three seeds all of them, all 12 of those number one, two, three seeds that have made it to the Sweet 16. you got to go back to 1985 to find the last time it happened. When, in truth, in 1985, all one, two, three, and four seeds made it to the Sweet 16. That was a rarity when the top four seeds all each made it to the Sweet 16, going all the way back to 1985. And I also understand, Victor, I know you follow, I follow Ken Palm and his ratings. And uh, according to you, you said kudos to Ken Palm that he nailed it in the tournament so far. If you're not utilizing the Ken Palm website when you're doing your handicapping, you're you're already wagering with a hand behind your back. Uh, Very good stats, very good numbers. The top four teams in the Pomeroy rankings all advanced to the Sweet 16. 15 of the 16 are in the top 20, and all of the 16 teams in the Sweet 16 are in the top 30. Every remaining team has won at least 25 games, and only one has double-digit losses on the season, and that would be Oregon at 25-12, and 12, who had a rough patch early in the season with their injuries, but they have definitely turned it on in February and in March and in the Pac-12 tournament, and also in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Again, the Pomeroy ratings are available at KenPom.com. It's helped me in regards to over-unders, in regards to adjusted offense, adjusted defense, adjusted tempo as well. But uh, I believe we're going to throw it back to you, Mark, and there's a, a conference that uh, you have talked about. They had a lot of teams in the tournament, and it seems like they have been doing all the heavy lifting thus far. And what conference would that be? That would have to be our conference, Victor, the Big Ten Conference, if you will. And I think what they say is the proof is in the pudding. All you need to do is look at the teams that are in the Sweet 16 round, and you'll find three teams from the Big Ten, not only three teams from the Big Ten, but all three teams arrive with perfect point spread records. They went three and zero, or I say combined, these teams together six and zero straight up and six and zero against the spread. Nice job, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue, in arriving to the Sweet Sixteen round here. And uh, I, I think this victory this also ties into a little bit of your thought about uh, it was a fitting ending, if you will, for a bad year in the Big East. And tell us, if you will, about why it was just a bad year and a fitting ending for the Big East in this tourney. 
You know, obviously the power conferences are extremely well represented here in the Sweet 16, but the Lone Power Conference not represented in the Sweet 16 is the Big East, which is kind of fitting. It was a you know pretty lousy year in that league. There were no teams that had single-digit losses on the season. The top two teams, uh, Villanova and Marquette, both had 10 losses. Uh, in fact, there was only two teams in the entire league that had an over 500 record in conference play for the season as well. So, yeah, kind of a fitting, you know, defending champion Villanova. They got the league's lone win over the weekend in that the game against St. Mary's, and they were promptly blown out by Purdue. So basically one and four, one and done for the Big East. Yeah. And, uh, again, it is pretty fitting that uh, this is the way the season was for the Big East. Uh, we're on the topic of the Sweet 16 there's not a heck of a lot of Cinderella's out there. None, if you ask me. Is there a surprise team out there? I guess Oregon, with their number 12 ranking, is a surprise, but not uh, how they've done it lately and how well they did in the Pac-12 tournament and in their first two NCAA tournament wins. But uh, there's a team out there that I think you can kind of classify as a surprise team in the Sweet 16, and that would be who? Well, that would be, for me, the Houston Cougars, a team whose I've been on the bandwagon all season long, and they've done a very impressive job to start this NCAA tournament with wins and covers in each of their first two games. They've outscored their opponents 141 to 100 to get here. That means they're averaging, allowing just 50 points per game defensively. That's the best defensive number of any team that's arrived to the Sweet 16, the Houston Cougars. So while they are a number three seed, and some people might scoff and say they're not a surprise, the bottom line is they're outperforming Vegas right now. And I think that's a kudos, a feather in the cap to them. And we might also want to maybe throw in Virginia Tech into the mix. We'll talk a little bit more about them later on in the show. And, you know, with that thought, Victor, here, the question I have to ask of you is, do you think we can get a, a final four from all four teams from the same conference into the NCAA final four of this tournament here. It's beginning to look like it mathematically it might happen just given the sense that three number one seats from the ACC are all still alive, but can they make it a four for four in the final four? You just said it. Mathematically, we could have a first ever final four with a quartet of teams from the very same conference, that conference, of course, being the ACC. We talked about the ACC and how they were front loaded with teams in the NCAA tournament in last week's show. And uh, I also mentioned that there were probably a couple of more deserving teams that could have gotten in that have done okay thus far in the NIT tournament in NC State and Clemson as well. But the ACC has a team in every region. There's two of them in the East. All three of its number one seeds have advanced. The longer shot of the four is probably Florida State, which faces number one seed Gonzaga. And I believe that's a game that uh, we're going to be talking about and. This has been one of the best seasons in school history for Florida State. Their path to the Sweet 16 wasn't the most rigorous, defeating who? Vermont and Murray State, I believe. But yes, there is a possibility that the ACC could be represented with four teams in the Final Four. 
Well, what do you say, Victor? Uh, when we come back, let's tear apart that Florida State-Gonzaga game and see what their chances might be. We'll do just that and more. You're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, our special March Madness Extravaganza Sweet 16 edition. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll tear apart that Florida State-Gonzaga game on Thursday. When we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbooks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbooks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbooks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbooks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we're back with our special edition Sweet 16 March Madness Extravaganza show. And with that, it's time for our college basketball Sweet 16 round previews. We'll take a game on Thursday and a game on Friday. And talking about the game on Thursday, let's go out to the West Regional Honda Center in Anaheim, California on Thursday where number one seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs will host the number four seed Florida State Seminoles. Victor, your take on the Seminoles and the Bulldogs this Thursday. The very, very first game on the Thursday schedule, tipping off 709 Eastern, as you mentioned, the Honda Center in Anaheim. It's not very often that we get a Sweet 16 game that has a revenge situation in it, and this one is certainly that. It's a rematch of a Sweet 16 showdown from last year in which Gonzaga was favored by five, over-under was 153.5 against Florida State. Florida State pulled off the double-digit upset. They won 75-60, to 60, didn't even need the points. The game went under the total by about 18 points. So it's uh, very interesting that we've got a little revenge angle one year removed as the uh, uh, Seminoles will be taking on uh, the Bulldogs in this particular game a game that opened with an over-under line of 147.5. I thought it was kind of interesting how the oddsmakers arrived at this as the opening line. If you take Florida State's total points this season, 142.4, they average 75.4 on offense. They allow 67 on defense. That's a total of 142.4. And then we take Gonzaga's numbers. They averaged 88.6 points per game on offense, number one scoring offense in all of college basketball. They allowed only 64.8. Add them both together, we get to 153.4. So here we go. When we add Florida State's 142.4 to Gonzaga's 153.4, and we take the middle, we are exactly at 147.5, which is the current over-under line in this particular game. So I, I thought it was really interesting how they huh. basically arrived at the over-under line by going right down the middle between each team's offense and defensive numbers on the season. Florida State was a team that went 2-0 and thus far in the NCAA tournament. They went over by 12 against Vermont. They went over by 5.5 in their win over Murray State. Gonzaga has gone 1-1 and over-under thus far in the tournament. Their first game was a pretty significant under by 16.5 points against Fairleigh Dickinson. They did go over by seven 
a game versus Baylor in which we had a three-star play on the over, and we're fortunate to cash that one as well. Uh, non-conference games, Florida State is a team that you do want to ride the over. Their last six non-conference games have all gone over the total for the Seminoles. For the uh, Bulldogs, it is true they've gone 5-11 and 11 over-under in their last 16 NCAA tournament games. But I'm liking me the over in this particular game. I think the uh, revenge situation will play a key as well. And if this game comes down to free throws, I like the fact that we got two outstanding free throw shooting team. We all know what uh, free throws do when you're betting the over. You're getting points with no time being taken off the clock. Gonzaga, 76.2 free throw percentage, number three in the tournament behind Louisville and Tennessee to start the tournament. Outstanding free throw team. And Florida State is not a big uh, slouch either at 75%, number two in the ACC next to Virginia Tech. Based on the odds and the over-under line, the predicted final score is Gonzaga 77.5, Florida 70. I got this game somewhere around like, oh, 80 to 75, somewhere in the area of the low 150s to mid 150s. I think there's some value with Florida State on Gonzaga going over the total. Victor likes a high-scoring game between the Seminoles and the Bulldogs, the Zags, when they meet on Thursday in our Sweet 16 round showdown. And this is a matchup, if you will, of two teams that met last year identically in the Sweet 16 round when Florida State upset Gonzaga 75-60 to as six-point dogs. So you can rest assured that Gonzaga will have this game circled on their calendar, looking to avenge that disappointing loss in the Sweet 16 to Florida State last year. And speaking about returning to the Sweet 16, in this week's edition of our Sweet 16 guide at playbook.com, we have a special feature in there called our Sweet 16 Return Ease. And there are a total of seven teams that are coming back to the Sweet 16 this year that were in the same Sweet 16 last year. Those teams this year happen to be Duke, Florida State, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Michigan, Purdue, and Texas Tech. You can read all about what to expect from these teams when they make it back to the Sweet 16. You'll be a little bit surprised as to how they fare, at least to the point spread, our Sweet 16 returnees. Check it out in the Sweet 16 tourney guide when you get a chance this week before the games begin. Taking a look at Florida State coming into the contest here, uh, we will say this, though, that dogs who do return to the Sweet 16 that are taking on 840 or better opponents like Gonzaga is, they're just they're struggled. They've gone 4-18 and 18 straight up and 6-15-1 against the spread. And, in fact, when they're themselves coming off a spread win of five or more points, they're only 1-9 straight up and ATS. Taking a look here, Leonard Hamilton, the head coach of Florida State, has done a really nice job in the NCAA tournament. Give him his kudos. He's 6-1 and one against the spread as a dog. He's also 5-1 and one against the spread in the NCAA tournament when he takes on number four or better seeds. Those same number four seeds, though, however, in the Sweet 16 round have really struggled, going just 1-9 and nine to the spread dating back to 2014. For Gonzaga, they come in here. The mighty Zags come in here. How about this number here? When they've taken on teams that have a win percentage of less than 890 over the past three seasons, Gonzaga is 103-10 and 10 
That's 103 and 10. They dispose of the teams they're supposed to be able to do just that with, Come and they'll do that coming into this basketball game here as well. And when Gonzaga wins a basketball game in the NCAA tournament, they're 17-10 and 1 against the spread, including 16-2-1 when they're not a double-digit favorite. Uh, if you take a look also at what these teams have done thus far to get here to the Sweet 16 round, Gonzaga has the largest score and allow differential of any team in the tournament, the biggest margin, 50 points for Gonzaga. They scored 170 points. They've allowed 120. So their scoring margin is the widest of any team in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to lean to Gonzaga in this basketball game. I think this is very meaningful revenge, if you will. It was costly revenge from the Sweet 16 tournament round last year. And with that, Victor, let's head over to Friday and take a look at what we've got on tap on Friday's NCAA tournament card. And we'll talk about the number one seeded team in the tournament when the Duke Blue Devils take on Virginia Tech in a matchup of two ACC basketball powers. Victor, your take on the Blue Devils and the Hokies this Friday. The over-under line opened 144. It's gone up a half a point, uh, currently 144 and a half as we record the podcast here on Tuesday morning. And one thing about talking about a game involving two teams from the same conference, we got a lot of data, we got a lot of history to look at. So uh, I think we've got a, a little bit of an edge in this game. And for me, that edge is on the game going under the total. Despite this very, very good offense from Duke, uh, and I acknowledge that number nine in the country at 83.4 points per game, they were still one of the best under teams in all of college basketball this season. Blue Devils went 10, 25, and 1 over under. The number three under team next to San Diego State and St. Bonaventure was the Duke Blue Devils. Outstanding defense, allowing only 67.6 points per game for Duke. Virginia Tech, if you want to talk about outstanding defenses, they certainly got it, and they're playing better as of late as well. 73.6 on offense, only 61.7 points allowed per game on defense. That was number nine scoring defense in the entire country, and they went under the total in each of their two tournament games thus far, under by two against Liberty, under by seven against St. Louis, another game in which we were on the under and were fortunate to cash a winner. Not only that, they went 0-2 over under in the ACC tournament by an average margin of nine points per game. This is a team that has not allowed more than 60 points a game in regulation play in each of their last four games. We're talking about the Hokies here. 58 points versus Liberty, 52 versus St. Louis, 65 against Florida State in the ACC tournament in overtime, I might add, and only 56 points allowed in their opener against the University of Miami. So playing defense at a very, very good time. Uh, for the Duke Blue Devils, they did go under by two and a half in their opening round game in which they were basically struggling at half against uh, North Dakota State. They did go over by nine points in that back and forth wild game against Central Florida. 7-13-1 over under in conference play for Duke on the season. That's 65% under the total. And yes, these two teams did play each other once this season. It was back in uh, late February, I believe. The over-under line was 143. Final score was a 77-72 Virginia Tech victory. Of course, that was a game 
in which Duke did not have Zion playing for them. Uh, so that game did go, end up going over the total by six points. I like the fact that it's still been a very low series history between these two teams. The last 17 meetings have gone four overs, 13 unders. I think there's some value at the 147. I see this game ending somewhere in the low to mid 140s. That's the way I'm going. I played it under at 144 and a half. And I know you definitely have an opinion in regards to the side play, Mark, between these two teams. Again, a ACC, all ACC battle, I might add, in the Sweet 16. Victor goes under the total in the Virginia Tech Duke game. A lot of familiarity, if you will, between the two teams. Good defensive numbers here. He goes under 144 and a half in the contest. Taking a look at the Virginia Tech side of this basketball game, they were indeed a preseason top 25 team before the year began, largely because he had four starters back from a 21-win team last year. Things were going good for Virginia Tech until they lost their best player, Justin Roberts, with a foot injury. He missed 12 games, the final 12 games of the season for Virginia Tech, but he came back for the start of the NCAA basketball tournament. With Roberts in the lineup this year, Virginia Tech was 22-4 and straight up. Without Roberts in the lineup, Virginia Tech was only 7-5, and so he's a big, big cog in this lineup, and he's back for Virginia Tech in this tournament here. The downside for Virginia Tech might be the fact that they are, much like Florida State, a number four seed, and those seeds are just one and nine to the spread since 2014 in the Sweet 16 tournament round. Duke Blue Devils have a big-time revenge chip on their shoulder here. Maybe it wasn't as costly as Gonzaga's was to Florida State last year. It was simply a regular season loss when they lost 77-72 as three-point chalk at Virginia Virginia Tech earlier this season. But you go back and you look at this Duke basketball team here, I'd say that Virginia Tech has this team's number here. The last four games in the series, Virginia Tech has beat Duke three of the last four games straight up and against the spread. And, in fact, with head coach Buzz Williams, Virginia Tech is 5-2 and two to the spread in all games against the Duke Blue Devils. And we talk about that revenge chip being what it is. That is rare. Same-season conference revenge in an NCAA basketball tournament. You don't get this too often, guys. You'll find revenge sometimes from last year when they last met. But same-season revenge from two conference teams is a rare bird. It's happened three times since 1991, and the team that had that revenge, as Duke does, has gone 0-3 straight up and against the spread. They failed to win or cover the spread in each of the three basketball games when playing with same-season conference tournament revenge. Looking at the numbers here, doing it, breaking it down statistically, Duke is allowing 14 points a game more than is Virginia Tech in this tournament. And inside this series, when you take a look at when Duke has taken on Virginia Tech, when Virginia Tech has come into the game with a win percentage of 689 or better, Duke is just 4-5 and five straight up and 2-7 and seven against the spread against good Virginia Tech basketball teams. Victor hit on the fact about free throw shooting and what it can mean or how vital it can be to a team. The edge goes strongly to Virginia Tech from the stripe in this game here. Virginia Tech came into this tournament 
hitting 75.8% of their free throws, Duke only 69% of their free throws, and for an underdog, a good size underdog here, free throw shooting can be valuable, especially down the stretch, and especially if you're looking, if you will, to backdoor a basketball game where you're going to the free throw line as well, or the other team is going and not hitting the front end of one-on-ones. Bottom line, I'm on Virginia Tech in this basketball game. And one quick note here before we hop out to Vegas and join our friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com to find out what's going on in Vegas. There was a comment I made to Victor, and I picked up on this. This was amazing. When uh, Duke played uh, in their basketball game against Central Florida in the game in which they were literally scared to death. And a lot can be said about teams that win games that perhaps they shouldn't have. It ends up being a catalyst and helps the basketball team move forward a, a title. And it could end up being that way for Duke. But the bottom line, that Duke basketball game against Central Florida when Taco Fall, the big seven foot six inch center for Central Florida, was on the floor in that game, he played 25 minutes of the 40 on the floor. When he was on the floor, Central Florida outscored Duke by 16 points. When Taco Fall was on the bench for 15 minutes, Duke outscored Central Florida by 15 points. Taco Fall is a major player here, guys. Get ready for him because he's going to be a big force coming in the NBA. So I would say Duke was really, really gratified when Taco Fall fouled out of that basketball game, and that what allowed them to play and win that contest here. The bottom line to me is Duke is not playing not even close to the best team in the tournament as a number one seed. I think they're not even playing any noteworthy NCAA March Madness type basketball right now. The pressure is squarely on Duke in this game. And with that, I'll play Virginia Tech plus the points. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to hop out to Vegas and join with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Andy will share his thoughts on the moves that are happening in Vegas on these NCAA tournament games when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need Guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on our special edition Sweet 16 March Madness Extravaganza Show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show, our Vegas Vibe with our good friend Andy Isco, joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, my first question to you is, how overall did the books make out in Vegas on the first two rounds of this NCAA basketball tournament? Victor and I talked about it being a rather chalky tournament, at least from a straight-up standpoint. But to the spread, how did the bookmakers make out? Mark, it's very interesting how the uh, books fared this weekend, uh, this past weekend, because of the changing dynamics in the sports betting uh, environment. 
the public is much more receptive to betting underdogs than they ever have been in the past. And, of course, we saw this past weekend, Thursday and Friday, the underdogs all barked. Saturday and Sunday, it was the favorites' turn to uh, get uh, back some of the money they, uh, the favorite bettors lost in the first two days of the tournament. Interestingly enough, the favorite teams went 16-0 and straight up over Saturday and Sunday in the round of 32. And one strategy that's been employed by a lot of the uh, Sharps and the public in recent years in both college basketball and college football is to parlay a lot of the bigger favorites on the money line where their chances of winning the game straight up are significant and the point spread doesn't come into play. And as a result, a lot of the players did very, very well who played favorites on, uh, on Saturday and Sunday Whereas the professionals who often look to play underdogs did not do nearly quite as well on Saturday or Sunday, although uh, from a point spread perspective, uh, the uh, underdogs uh, were just, uh, they, they were 20 and 12 on Thursday and Friday. Favorites were 11 and 5 over the weekend. And when you take a look at the results for the two play in games, the, excuse me, the two days of the four play in games where favorites were 3 and 1, uh, my records using the uh, closing lines at the Westgate Superbook here in Las Vegas show the favorites having, having covered 26 games, the underdogs having covered 26 games, albeit in very extreme fashion for both. And that seems to be the pattern. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, underdogs faring well out of the gate in the NCAA tournament generally in the first round and the favorites coming back in round two, which we saw a lot of this year. And uh, it also equated to the fact that, uh, you know, for the first time since 1985, we've got all all of the number one, two, and three seeds arriving to the Sweet 16 tournament round. With that being the case, Andy, here, do you foresee this being continuing being a chalky tournament uh, in the fact that uh, the most popular seeded teams are all here in the Sweet 16 round. Will the betting public be coming to those one through three seeds? Well, Mark, from a straight-up standpoint, probably so. I mean, the only teams to really crash the party. You know, if this were perfect form, all seeds one, two, three, and four would have made it to the Sweet 16. As you just pointed out, 14 of them did. The only exceptions were a fifth seed, Auburn, which got by a number four seed, uh, Kansas in the round of 32, and Auburn was actually the favorite in that game uh, by a, a decent number of points. And Oregon, who was seeded 12th but is much better than a 12th seed, currently winning 10 straight, currently covering 10 straight, seven of the 10, 10 games that they've won in the stretch, they've covered the spread by uh, more than uh, 10 points. So that they're playing extremely well, and they too were favored in their uh, re, uh, round of 32 win. So it can't really be considered an upset other than from a seeding standpoint. However, from a points perspective going forward, this has been a very competitive tournament in terms of points. But I mentioned the record of dogs and favorites. Consider that in the round of 64, the opening round of the tournament Thursday and Friday, six games of the 32 games fell within less than three points of the closing point spread. That's about 20%, slightly under 20%. It was even more dramatic in the round of uh, 32, where of the 16 games, six of them fell within two and a half points of the closing point spread. So the Lions makers done a good job, or maybe the teams have played according to expectations because that's very unusual for that many games to be coming down to basically the last shot that's made or, or missed. So it promises to be a very exciting uh, final two weekends of the tournament if what we saw in the opening uh, two rounds uh, continues. Andy, I know you're a huge probability statistics guy when it comes to analyzing and handicapping sports. 
And with the fact being that uh, there was not a single straight-up underdog winner in the round of 32, and you got to go back to 1991 to find the last time that that happened, where there wasn't a single straight-up underdog winner in the round of 32. What would you uh, purport the chances of being of that continuing here in the Sweet 16 round of an underdog not winning a basketball game? Well, I would say based on history, it's unlikely, but uh, but not just based on history. If we take a look at how this tournament has unfolded, we saw a number of upsets occur on Thursday and Friday. However, the teams that pulled the upset were often in different parts of, of each little sub-bracket, so that on, on Saturday and Sunday, those underdog winners from the first round went up against teams that were expected to advance uh, throughout uh, the tournament by playing, for example, one of the top four seats. And so as a result, even though there were upsets on Thursday and Friday, form held on Saturday and Sunday, which explains why those 16 favorite teams win, uh, favorite teams won, and, and uh, 14 of the protected seats advanced. So what we have now going forward into the Sweet 16 and beyond is we have the elite teams. I guess in some sense you could say it validates the seeding decisions uh, by the uh, selection committee to the extent that so many favorites, or so many higher seeded, I'll call them basically favorite teams, have advanced. The gap between the one, two, three, and four seeds is not that significant, meaning it's more likely that a team seeded four can beat a team seeded one than a team seeded eight or nine could have beaten a team seeded number one in the round of 32. Likewise, when you have threes facing twos in the Sweet 16, it's more likely that a three can upset a two in that round rather than if, for example, a two had faced a, a number 10 seed, which would have, uh, uh, or excuse me, a number uh, six seed, which would have uh, uh, upset the number three seed that they're now facing this week instead. So I think in terms of history, which suggests that form generally does hold in the later rounds is somewhat true. The fact that form has never held to the extent that it has in this season's tournament through the first two rounds suggests that because of the parity throughout the field, it's more likely that we will see some upsets in the Sweet 16 uh, and going forward. And I would not be overly shocked if one or perhaps even two of the number one seeds falls in the Sweet 16. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas to find out what's going on, checking the Vegas vibe as we go into the Sweet 16 tournament round. And Andy, before I hand it off to Victor, and I know he's got a question he wants to run by you on the show, any major moves that we should be made aware of, of uh, lines that opened up once the initial pairings were made, and is there any one particular team that's gathering more betting action than any other team? Uh, we haven't seen much in the way of dramatic moves to the extent that we saw some of them in the opening round of the tournaments. But uh, the one game that has moved is interesting, the one that I feel has the most vulnerable number one seed, and that's Virginia taking on an Oregon team that really is better than a 12 seed, but their season-long resume suggested that that's probably where they deserve to be seated if you just ignored uh, the current momentum. Virginia opened up as a 7.5-point favorite against Oregon, and they've quickly been bet up to an 8.5-point favorite over Oregon, and that is uh, right now, of all the uh, games in the tournament, uh, the uh, highest point spread. Uh, even we've seen Duke in Friday's game against division rival Virginia Tech 
Uh, Tech, of course, beat Duke uh, late in the season. Williamson out for Duke, but Virginia Tech was also missing uh, their best player in that game. Duke opened an eight-point favorite against Virginia Tech in uh, the Sweet 16. They've been bet down to seven. I say that Virginia may be the most vulnerable team uh, of the number one seeds if you look at uh, what occurred in their opening round game. They were coming off the embarrassment last year of having lost to Maryland Baltimore County as a number one versus a 16. They were down by 14 points to a number to another 16 seed this year in Gardner Webb before they ultimately wore down Gardner Webb in the second half and ended up winning but failing to cover despite uh, their I think it was a 15 point victory. And then even in their in their second contest uh, they uh, were a little bit more sluggish against Oklahoma that had pulled a uh, well a minor upset although it was an impressive upset against Ole Miss in the opening round. But keep in mind, you know, that Duke also, uh, we saw them struggle, obviously, in that game against Central Florida, the game that'll go down, that has already gone down as an instant classic. But they only led their first uh, round game uh, against what was it, North Dakota State by four points at halftime. Uh, even North Carolina struggled a little bit in the opening round uh, against Iona, trailing by five at halftime before putting them away and, again, failing to cover the game, but played a strong second half. That being said, again, the way that uh, these uh, underdogs are, are playing, especially Oregon, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Virginia goes down. Not quite sure I can say the same about Duke going down, although they do have the issue of familiarity against ACC foe Virginia Tech. North Carolina and Auburn, that could also be a potential upset because Auburn is a very strong team. They'll run with North Carolina, and uh, where that's reflected by the whole uh, by the high total, which opened 160. It's as high as 163.5 in some places. Won't be surprised if it goes up a little bit more before uh, the professionals come in and take advantage of the increased value if this, this line hits maybe 164 or so and play the under. Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas discussing these major line moves that we can expect to see here and have seen thus far. And, Victor, before we let Andy go, we're going to get his complimentary play. I know you've got a question you want to run by Andy on the show this week. We're way down here in South Florida, Andy. We're basically, what, 2,500 miles away from Las Vegas. So having Andy on the show does truly give us a feel and a vibe, as Mark mentioned, for what's going out there. My question to Andy is this. During this time of the year, this March Madness time of the year, what is the vibe or the atmosphere like in Vegas on days in which there is no NCAA tournament action? I'm talking about like last night, Monday night, or tonight, Tuesday night, or tomorrow, Wednesday night. Do a lot of the betters hibernate until Thursday, or do they still get out there and uh, play the NBA or the NIT or the CBI or the Insiders Tournament? What is the feel in Vegas on days in which there is no tournament action. Well, Victor, there, there's still a lot of excitement, and these smaller tournaments have uh, continued to attract even more and more attention, especially the NIT, which is the more well-known of the tournaments, you know, predates the NCAA tournament, etc., all, all that, or certainly the popularity of the NCAA tournament over the last 40 years. Uh, the CIT and the CBI coming along with a little bit of a uh, difficulty and disjointed uh, scheduling uh, format, so you don't really know what the matchups are uh, as timely as you do in the NIT. So the NIT draws a lot of attention 
during the uh, the uh, week. Let's call it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the days when the NCAA tournament, uh, basically this week certainly, uh, is is inactive. Uh, but there's still a lot of action that takes place for the NCAA tournament itself, even though the games are several days away. A lot of action will occur early when those lines come out, and of course these lines generally come out as the uh, matchups that determine those following matchups are are set. Uh, usually, uh, the second games, for example, of, of a day will determine who's going to face one of the teams that may have won the day before or earlier in the day, and the lines will come out. So there's a lot of scattered action early because of the fact that the lines come out in a staggered in a staggered fashion, unlike when the lines came out for the start of the tournament. Then there's a bit of a lull, and as we get within, say, 24 to 36 hours of the actual uh, tip-off time for the games, we start seeing a lot of action uh, betting-wise for both the sides and the totals as these lines settle in. So, for example, I wouldn't expect to see too much betting action for the balance of Tuesday and into Wednesday. But as we get, say, into, into Wednesday evening and certainly early in the day on Thursday as we approach you know, six to eight hours before tip-off, we'll start seeing those numbers dancing on the screen and at the sports books. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And, Andy, before we let you go, I know you want to get off and get ready for this March Madness Sweet 16 weekend and the upcoming Major League Baseball season as well. I know that will keep you busy most of the summer. Our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play this week. Thanks, Mark. I'm going to take a look at uh, the game between Tennessee and Purdue. That's the early game uh, that starts on Thursday in the uh, South region, the region that has uh, Virginia and Oregon. I'm going to take a look at the Tennessee Volunteers in that game against Purdue. They are currently one, one and a half point favorites in a game that handicaps as being especially competitive and figures the number two and the number three seeds uh, advancing. Of course, Tennessee uh, has done what so many teams historically over the years have done, and that's survive barely in reaching the round of the Sweet 16. They were somewhat lethargic in their opening game against an overmatched Colgate uh, team, uh, surrendering what had been a nice halftime lead and actually having to rally to come back in the second half. They ended up winning uh, that game by seven points. And then in their follow-up game in the round of 32, of course, they had that 25-point lead against Iowa, gave that whole lead back, and ended up having to win that game in overtime. So they got quite the scare in their opening round games. Purdue, on the other hand, uh, did not uh, have quite the same struggle, but when I look at this matchup, I take a look at the athleticism and quickness of Tennessee going up against the uh, the uh, stoic nature of Purdue. They've got some shooters. They've got some inside strength. I think we're going to get the focused effort out of Tennessee that we've gotten much of the year. I think maybe it was a little bit of a letdown coming off of uh, that uh, beatdown they took at the hands of Auburn in the SEC championship game, which was somewhat understandable that they would lose considering their big upset of Kentucky in the semifinals, and that perhaps carried through uh, into the opening weekend. Having had the time off to prepare for their toughest test of the tournament in facing Purdue, they are the better team. They've shown it over the course of the season. Although the Big Ten has fared very well uh, throughout the season and actually was the number one conference overall, sent the most teams to the tournament in uh, the field in the, in the field with eight representatives, I'm going to look for the SEC top that Tennessee endured throughout the season to be the difference in the game that I have Tennessee winning by from four to seven points. 
Andy Lakes of Tennessee volunteers over Purdue to stop the Big Ten streak here in the Sweet 16 round. He'll lay the one or one and a half against the Boilermakers for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, once again, a great job on the show this week. And as always throughout the football season here, I'm going to look forward to visiting with you next year when we're back with our 2019 Against the Spread podcast for the football season. And until then, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck and have a safe and healthy off-season summer. Enjoy the games. And the same to you and, and Victor and all the listeners, of course, and football will be here before you know it. Thank you much. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas with the Vegas Vibe. Don't go away, guys. And when we come back, we're going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week on a complimentary place for myself and Victor when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University. Located at sportsdata.com. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence with my awesome angle of the week on this Sweet 16 special edition show here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, our awesome angle this week in the Sweet 16 AA tournament. We call it the shoe doesn't fit. And when the shoe doesn't fit, you don't want to play these teams. And what we're looking to do is to play against any number 10 or worst seed in the Sweet 16 round of the NC2A tournament if they're taking on a number one or a number two seeded opponent. These number 10 or worse seeds in this Sweet 16 round facing these one or two seeds going all the way back in my database since 1991 are 1 and 27 straight up and just 11 and 17 against the spread will be fading Oregon. Look for their magic season to end on the Sweet 16 round. We'll play against Oregon for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And for the final segment on the show this week, and for the final time until our football podcast begins in September, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports. First of all, Victor, I want to wish you a happy birthday today. I know this is one of these, uh, sometimes we the birthdays we kind of enjoy, sometimes we don't, but the bottom line, it's your birthday, and I hope you have a great and happy birthday today. And also, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap this week at King Creole Sports. Thank you, uh, Mark. Thank you very much. It's not often that, you know, a guy gets to do or a, or a girl gets to do what they love doing for a profession. And uh, back in the summer of 2000, Mark and Colleen took a chance uh, on a guy, and that was me. And here we are 20 years later, and I'm doing what I love to do. I've had the benefit. I've had the advantage of uh, working and uh Getting, having a mentor who's one of the best in the business, not to mention a truly stand-up guy in Mark, and uh, I'm very, very uh, grateful for that. Uh, a couple of really quick topics I'm going to burn through here. Let's not forget that the NBA is winding down as well in the regular season. We've got the playoffs coming up here in 
about, uh, what, two weeks. Uh, we cashed a real nice winner last night. We had the Brooklyn Nets, Portland Trailblazers over the total of 223.5 on our King Trail service. Final score in that game, 148 to 144. Uh, we're having a good season in the NBA. I'm sorry to see the regular season go, but we still got about, uh, oh, 10 days left in the season. We've got two playbook all NBA only newsletters coming out next week as well. And the week after that to conclude the season, you're definitely going to want to check it out at playbook.com. Also, Mark, uh, I'm looking at the sports monitor rankings from Major League Baseball last season. And for our service, it was a season for the ages. King Creole had 79 Major League Baseball over-under selections last season. We went 50, 25, and 4 in those games. That's a winning percentage of 67%. And by now, any sharp better or handicapper knows that that's an absurd winning percentage uh, when all the games are equal, when you're just laying 11 to win 10. Over-unders only. 50 wins, 25 losses, 4 ties, number one with the sports monitor, a rate of return of 23%, a net profit of $13,000 last year in Major League Baseball. We're looking forward to this season. You know, we had a run last year in July and August, which was by far our best run of all time in any sport in regards to over-unders. A 10-game winning streak, one loss, one tie, and then another 10-game winning streak. Over a 22-game period in July and August, we went 21-1. and And by far, again, that's definitely the best streak I've ever been on in any sport. And we're looking forward to the Major League Baseball season coming up. We don't start handicapping until May as we accentuate and follow Major League Baseball umpire over-under tendencies. But again, uh, the Sports Monitor tracks easily the top 100 handicappers across the country at thesportsmonitor.com. And you can definitely check out their numbers. And they do a good job of monitoring as well. So we are looking forward to the baseball season. Uh, for a free play, I'm going to suggest the Houston-Kentucky game under the total. They're playing Friday night in the NCAA tournament. Sprint Center in Kansas City over underline 135 and a half. And if you want to talk about slow-paced, you got it. I know how enamored Mark is of Houston and this fantastic defense that they have, number seven scoring defense in the country. They come out with a tempo rating of number 247 in the country. That's extremely low considering there's 353 total teams in college basketball. Not only that, but Houston has the 12th adjusted defense on the season. Under the total by seven against Georgia State. Uh, over the total, yes, by one in their game against Ohio State. I can't ignore that Houston went 0-3 over-under in all three games of their AAC tourney. And by an average margin of 11.5 points per game, they went 14-21-1 uh, on the season. That's the Houston Cougars. They're taking on a Kentucky team. This is not your normal Kentucky team that plays at a fast tempo, folks. They play extremely slow, number 274 in tempo on the season, the number nine adjusted defense on the season, allowing only 64.5 points per game. Both of their tournament games thus far have gone under the total, under by eight and a half against Abilene Christian, under by 22 against Wofford. After starting the season four and one, Kentucky concluded on a three and 15 over under run heading into the SEC tournament. 
We think we got tremendous value on Houston and Kentucky going under the total of 135.5. That's your free play for this week. And again, Mark, you mentioned birthday. Thank you very much. In about a week, though, I'm going to conclude with this. There's a little bit of sadness as well. In, in about a week, it'll be a full year since we lost our boy Speedy to stomach cancer. And he's still missed. We miss our boy. My wife misses her dog as well. But uh, we move on. We're going to get another, another dog over the summer. And again, I, I'm feeling a little melancholy as we won't be talking to people again until the football season. But again, Mark, thanks uh, for everything that you guys have done for me over this 20-year period. And again, uh, we thank all our listeners as well. Well, thank you, Victor, for everything you've done for us here at Playbook, the family, and being a good friend as well over those 20 years. And once again, happy birthday to you and yours. And I want to remind our listeners out there that if you're going to be playing baseball, you'll want to do it with the guy that was ranked number one in the Sports Monitor Major League Baseball last year, Victor King. You can find all of his plays online at playbook.com or call the office toll-free at 1-800-321-7777 to talk with Victor about his number one top-ranked Major League Baseball service. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners once again about the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide and the NBA Basketball Reports. They're available online at playbook.com anytime Tuesday after 7 p.m. Eastern. And while you're there, you might also want to think about ordering your advanced copy of the 2019 Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine. The staff is hard at work right now putting it together here. It will be available on newsstands Tuesday, June 25th. To get early advanced copies, pre-order now, and we'll have your copies to you before Tuesday, June 25th, when you order your copy of the number one selling football and college and pro football preview guide in the country, the Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine. And one quick note here, guys, that we're going to be offering up again, once again, another $99 basketball weekend of winners for the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight round of games this weekend. Included will be my NCAA Tournament Play of the Year. Get it all for just $99 complete. You can log on at playbook.com or call the office at 1-800-321-7777. And with that, my complimentary play on the show this week our final call until the football season in september will be on auburn plus the points against north carolina and simply put the bottom line in this game is much like we outlined in the basketball newsletter we like conference tourney championship teams that are dogs to non-champions and that's the case in this basketball game auburn won the sec championship North Carolina was not a champion in either the regular nor the postseason. And this special note here from the newsletter, SEC champions. In the Sweet 16 tournament round are 15-2 straight up and 13-4 against the spread with neither of those two losses by being more than four points in this basketball game. North Carolina's scoring defense is mediocre at best. And in fact, if you take a look at all the teams that were in the Sweet 16 tournament, at the start of this tournament here, only seven teams in the tournament uh, had a worse scoring defense than does North Carolina. Their defense uh, is not good at all. And when you factor in Auburn's projected over-under total points in this game is 79. If North Carolina allows 79 points in an NCAA tournament game, they're just 5-22 and 22 against the spread. I'll grab up the points with Auburn for my complimentary play on our special edition Sweet 16 show 
this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas as he does each and every week. And our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above until September when we're back with our Against the Spread football show. This is Mark Lawrence reminding you once again to remember to always to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.